the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now it's time to think and discern. This is Bob Bernie Live. Welcome to Bob Bernie Live. Thank you for joining me. This is the four o'clock hour. You don't have to listen to this program very long to know my love for the local church. If you listen to the opening of the program each day, I try to remind all of us that the answer to America's problems are not in the next election, not in the White House, not in the halls of Congress, but in the pulpits, pews, and chairs of America's churches. And I really do believe that. I believe that the future of America is in the pulpits of America, and yet we are seeing so many discouraging trends. Uh, The mainline Protestant denominational churches are either dying or dead, and uh, we're seeing some very encouraging things in some evangelical churches, but we're seeing some discouraging trends as well. That's why I was so excited to have the opportunity of having Brian Croft on the program. Brian is the former senior pastor of Auburndale Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and is the founder and executive director of Practical Shepherding. Brian Croft, it is an honor to have you on the program. Welcome. Hey, Bob. Good to be with you. Uh, It is a delight to have you as well. Well, let's begin at the beginning. Uh, what is practical shepherding, and uh, what what did God do in your life to found this ministry? Yeah, so I was a pastor for 25 years. I it kind of practical shepherding came out of really my story just as a pastor. So I spent eight years as an associate pastor uh, in different churches, and then I went to be the senior pastor of Auburndale, and I was there for 17 years. But my first five years at the church were just incredibly difficult. Uh, three different movements to get me fired in the first five years. There were threats of violence against me. There was the church ran out of money. Uh, it was just a, a disaster the first five years. And then in year six, God just turned the ship and the church started to flourish from that day on. There's a, certainly a longer story to that, but practical shepherding came out of me trying to train some, some young guys for pastoral ministry in those in those early years. And so we were trying to teach them about how to do ministry in the local church, how to care for people, how to shepherd people. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and seminaries theologically train me really well, but I'm convinced that it's pastors who teach others in the local church on how to do actual practical ministry. So practical shepherding really just started out of me trying to train some of those guys in our church, and then we realized that there was a gaping hole of practical resources for pastors on how you do normal ministry work in the local church. So that's really kind of how it all started. Well, I, I've been amazed for many, many years about how few seminary professors really have practical experience in 
local churches, and they are teaching from the platform of theory and not experience. Uh, Would you concur with that, that that has been a problem? I think there's a variety of of, of people at at different seminaries, but, you know, seminaries are designed to theologically train students. So, you know, I I think seminaries make no apologies. I mean, that's what they're doing. I mean, they're going to learn about church history, about, you know, Greek and Hebrew, things that pastors need to know. I mean, pastors need theological education in whatever way they're able to get it. But I think the problem lies is when students go to a seminary trusting that they're going to get everything they need to prepare them to be a pastor, mm-hmm. and then they just don't, they don't necessarily get all of that. And so there's a disconnect in that way. Thankfully, there's some seminaries that do have people with pastoral experience, ministries, there's a lot of seminaries that have professors who do that, but uh, there's also seminaries that don't have as much of that, and that's why I'm convinced that to learn how to be a pastor, you want a pastor in a local church right. teaching you how to be a pastor— while you're potentially being theologically trained really well in a seminary context. So I, I think this, both are supposed to be taking place, but a lot of times there's the absence of one. We, we spend a lot of time talking about trends. What trends in the evangelical movement, the evangelical church in America, what trends are concerning you most currently? Hmm. That's a good question. I I would say there's there's a trend that I've watched for, I think, a long time in the evangelical world, especially in the States, that I continue to be uh, uh, concerned about, and that is that there's so much of a focus in the evangelical world on evaluating the success of churches around how many people are there mm. or how much money the church has. And and I, I prefer, I think it's better even to look at church health more so than even church growth. So church health points to, you know, looking at the spiritual fruit that's taking place in a church's ministry. Numbers and even resources can tell us something about a church, and I'm not saying that those things are unimportant, but when we just look at those things, my concern is that we then end up running our ministries in a church as a, let's try to get as many people in the church or how much money we can get when we're supposed to be spiritually caring for people's souls. That's what a pastor does. That's what the local church is called to be. The local church is called to be a gospel light in a community. And so those are the things I, I believe are more biblical in how we're supposed to evaluate church life. My concern is, is that we're not looking so much on evaluating the spiritual fruit of a church, but more of kind of the, the tangible numeric things that we can that we can judge, that we would judge a business on, or we would judge something else in the secular world. I think we have to look at that spiritual fruit to evaluate Boy, that's music to my ears, Brian. We're talking again with Brian Croft, who is the uh, founder and executive director of Practical Shepherding. Uh, Brian, I've been concerned for such a long time about the emphasis on what I call nickels and noses. If a church is growing numerically and if they're succeeding financially, we just automatically assume that God is there, and that's not necessarily the case. what are your concerns about the ongoing controversy about churches uh, tending, as far as worship is concerned, well, even in preaching, uh, in emphasizing entertainment where the congregation becomes spectators and not participants? 
Uh, I'd be very curious as to your thoughts on that ongoing controversy. Yeah, so I, I, I'm very concerned about a church that uh, that builds their church on consumerism and entertainment and even pragmatism, uh, and that uh, I, I'm convinced that you keep people with what you win them with. So, you know, you can you can do a dog and pony show, and potentially people will a lot of people will come and flock to see it. But that's what you build the church on. So I'm convinced that the, a healthy church is built on the preaching of the word, the right shepherding of the souls of the people, the the, the spread of the gospel, the sharing of the gospel in the community, and and trying to reach people for Christ and just discipling people, biblical leadership in place. I, I believe all those things are signs of, of health in a church, and that we should be pursuing those things, and, and that that's what draws people, not the entertainment, not the consumerism. Uh, we know we can draw a crowd. The question is, what does faithful ministry look like? And, and I would lean certainly more towards that, that the Bible is what breathes life into a church. The Bible, the God's Word is what, through His Spirit, is what helps the church grow in a healthy spiritual way. And I, and I think that is the focus and then kind of leave the growth to God in that way. Yeah. We're talking with Brian Croft, who is the founder and executive director of Practical Shepherding. We've need, we need to take a break. Uh, we'll take a brief intermission and then we'll come back. I've got many, many more questions to ask Brian. Again, executive director of Practical Shepherding. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talk radio that makes a difference. Makes a difference. This is Bob Bernie Live. Brian Croft is the executive director of Practical Shepherding. They are, and I quote, Practical Shepherding is a gospel-driven resource center for pastors and church leaders, equipping them in the essential yet often overlooked practical matters of pastoral ministry. Brian Croft, again, welcome to the program. How can our listeners find out more about Practical Shepherding? Yeah, Bob, so the best way to do it would be to go to practicalshepherding.com. That's our website, and uh, it's really easy to, to access and to maneuver through, and that's the best way for someone to be able to to learn about us. We, we've got a, a ton of books in our resources. We have a podcast that's called Trench Talk uh, at Practical Shepherding Podcast. So there's a few places, but the, the website's the best way to, to find us and learn about us. Brian, many evangelical churches are struggling. Some are, well, many are prospering, being blessed by God, but many are struggling. And it's so a very blunt question. Can a dying church actually be revitalized? Mm, that's a great question. Well, I think the first thing to acknowledge is that most churches are in decline. So roughly around 80% of churches are actually declining, have plateaued or declined. So we have a serious problem on our hands in regard to churches that are dying or in, on the decline. Uh, there's approximately 4,000 churches uh, just North America-wide that close every year. Wow. So we, we have a major issue on our hands. Um, but the answer to the question is yes. Uh, God, 
God can raise the dead, as we would we would know mm-hmm. and say. Uh, so I, I think that the picture uh, that I like to think about is Ezekiel 37 in regard to a dying church. So that that vivid mm-hmm. imagery of the dry, the valley of dry bones, yeah. and and God breathes His word on those on those bones, and they come to life. And so I do believe that a, a dying church or even a dead church can come back to life. But you have to know what is it that breathes life back into a, a dying mm-hmm. church. I'm convinced it's God's Spirit through His Word administered in a church that breathes life back into a church. And that's what I saw happen in our own church that I pastored. I took a church that was probably two or three years from closing. We had about 30 elderly members in their 80s and 90s when I took the church just a few years from closing, and, and though it was a rough opening years, God saw fit to breathe life back into our church, and uh, we were able to see it revitalized. And, and that's a, part, a big part of the work that I do is get to be a part of helping churches to try to figure out how to breathe new life into yeah. their churches. So I, the answer is yes, and I'm convinced it happens through, uh, through the Word being ministered and the Spirit breathing life into that. Yeah, I have said for years that birth is much easier than resurrection. When, That's right. That's when right. it comes to churches, but with God's power, it is possible. Uh, you alluded to it, but I'd love for you to elaborate a little more on what are the key elements for revitalization. One of the things that concerns me, and I see it all the time, are the the fads that churches fall into yep. and pastors. If we just change the name. That's enough. If we just do this, if we just change the music, if we if we get rid of the hymns uh, and go contemporary, if we ditch the choir and get a praise band, uh, those are all simple answers, but none of them are the real keys to revitalization. So what are the keys to revitalization? Yeah, so there, you make excellent points there, and I'm convinced the first key of revitalization is that a pastor goes into the church and stays long enough to see the church revitalized. Mm-hmm. So what happens is pastors come and go so quickly yeah. that I believe that before a church can be revitalized, that pastor has to go in and establish his ministry, shepherd people, actually shepherd people's souls, and earn the trust of the people. See, the problem is, those changes you're referring to, I agree with you. They're, those are superficial changes that don't really change anything. And a lot of times we want to make those changes because we don't want to do the hard, long, grinding work of simply caring for people, loving people, and giving it time to where a pastor can earn the trust. See, what i found is when a pastor stays long enough, which in my experience is five-plus years, a pastor has to stay five-plus years before he becomes the pastor, before he earns the trust, of the congregation, where they then will follow him when he wants to make those changes and take them where he wants to go. But what I think kills churches, one of the things, is pastors will come and go every two to three years, and then a new pastor comes in and does the same thing, and you have a bunch of congregations that are just wounded and distrusting of the pastoral office. So I think it has to start there with the leadership. And then, of course, from there, once a pastor earns trust, you know, he's, he's preaching, he's ministering the Word, hopefully breathing life in the church, he's discipling people, he's He's raising up other leaders. They're they're going out in the community trying to, to share the gospel with people. So, uh, you know, I think there's several things like that that has to take place, but it starts with the longevity of a pastor, I'm convinced. Are you, are you encouraged at what you're seeing in your work and in your ministry? I mean, 
the picture that is painted of how many churches are declining and closing and so forth is incredibly discouraging. What encourages Brian Croft as he looks at local church ministry today? So you're right. It's a daunting task before us. But, you know, like any ministry, you know, one of the things when I see the staggering numbers we're talking about is I sit back and say to myself, you know, this is why I this is why I left pastoring after 25 years and gave myself fully to this work of practical shepherding, because the need's so great, and, and there's not a ton of people who are trying to meet that need. I mean, you know, Bob, who's pastoring the pastors? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of people doing that, and pastors need pastors as well. So on one end, it's a daunting task. I mean, in some ways, you certainly feel like you're just putting a dent in the bigger problem. But I am incredibly encouraged because I see God at work so much. I, the, the model of us trying to care for pastors and help churches, we, we see that it, it's working to restore and to strengthen pastors and help them thrive. And you see, I get to work with hundreds and hundreds of pastors. Our ministry helps about, cares for about 2,000 pastors every year in some way or another. And, and we get to see the impact of what happens when pastors are strengthened and encouraged and you know, cared for. So those are the things that get me out of bed every morning. Those are the things that encourage me, even though it's such a daunting task. And, and, and the last thing I would say on that is this is why we're trying to partner with other ministries doing the same thing. We're, the last thing we want to be is territorial because the, the need is so great. Let's lock arms together and try to do this together. My guest, Brian Croft, the founder and executive director of Practical Shepherding. You can find out more at practicalshepherding.com. Practical shepherding.com. Check it out and uh, pray for this ministry. There's never been a time when evangelical churches were more in desperate need of revival, revitalization, and I'm grateful that God has raised up Brian and his ministry to do that. Brian, again, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it so much. Bob, great to talk to you. Thank you. All right. Brian Croft. PracticalShepherding.com Stay tuned. We'll be back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.